0: I'd like to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 14. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Verse 3 For we are the circumcision A Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I now count them as rubbish. Why? So that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him. And not having my own righteousness. Which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may Come on, loudly. This verse we have to read loudly. Come on. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being confirmed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that For which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And all of God's people said an Amen. This is the scripture that we believe is a the is the theme for our camp. And apostle Paul, he is pouring out his heart. He's he's encouraging the church and he's telling them, guys, this is this is my desire. This is my goal, my ambition. All of us young people, the you know, especially when we are just passing out of twelfth, we you know we plan our careers, we decide what stream to choose, and then once we graduate out of Our colleges we decide am I going to work or am I going to study we set our own ambitions and our goals in place and in this particular story in this particular chapter what we see is a picture what we see is an understanding of Apostle Paul's goal in life we see his ambition in life we see that he says I don't care about anything else, I don't want anything else if I can just give up everything that I have in exchange for knowing Christ. He's not saying, I want to know Christ and also I want to, you know, make a lot of money, become famous, be the best uh, apostle in the world. You know, I have, you know, this top priority is knowing Christ but all these other priorities are also equally important. You know, we, we do that, right? We, yes, we want Jesus, but along with Jesus, I want to make some money, I want to drive that particular car, I want to uh, have my name in this particular list of, you know, the top ten sportsmen in my uh, county or my city or my church or whatever. You know, we, we have our other goals that we add along with our desire to know Christ. But here is Apostle Paul saying, I'm willing to exchange everything that I have, everything that I am, in exchange to get to know Christ, that I may know Him. And for the sake of wanting to know Him, He says, I'm going to count all the things that I have, all the things that I can do, all the things that I'm able to do, I'm going to count it as rubbish, as garbage, as waste, compared to the grace through the ability of being able to know Jesus. Man, I, I, I want to live a life like that. I want to know what is it that Paul, what is it that was driving Apostle Paul to want to know this Christ so much. I mean, like we heard earlier, this was not a man who is uh, hungry for an encounter with God because he, he has never had an encounter with God. This is a, this is a man who had seen Jesus. It is because he saw Jesus that he got saved. This is a man who was in in, in one scripture, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 12, he was taken up into heavens, into the third heavens and he saw things that no man has seen and and heard things that no man have heard. And this is a guy who has had great spiritual understanding. Can you imagine when we get to heaven, what is the one thing we would like to do? Or, you know, we'll all, we'll all have our favorites in the Bible, right? Some of you want to get to know how did it feel like to be in the belly of the whale. So you'll go run, talk to Jonah, take an interview with him. Some of us, we, we want to know, uh, you know, what did it look like? All the mothers, I'm sure, you'll run to Sarah to understand how, what did it feel like to, uh, to be pregnant at the age of 100, you know, to, to, be, to be a mother at that age. All of us will have our own favourites. And here is a man who has actually been to heaven and has actually encountered the best of the best, all the glory, all the angels, all the amazing things that heaven has. He is, he, you know, in this scripture, we, we heard his qualification, all the, all the best of the best learning and qualification that humanity can give him. And yet he says, I am going to and I am willing to exchange all of it in order that I may know Christ. Now, I I, I feel that sometimes we cling too tightly to the things that we have. And that stops us, that hinders us from being able to know Christ better. You know, the problem with many of us is not that we don't have a desire to know Christ. It's not that we don't have a desire to encounter God and grow in Him. It's that, we have a desire for so many other things in life that those desires and those connections, they, they stand in the way, they, they block us, they, they, they work like a speed breaker in our pursuit of God. You know, in Apostle Paul's case, it, it was not bad things. We, we may think, okay, it could be some secret addictions or some bad habits. You know what was Apostle Paul's stumbling block? His learning. The fact that he was so well-learned he, like, like we heard in the morning, he was one of the two students under Gamaliel. Now the Lord is coming and telling him, go and receive instructions from Ananias. Lord, I know somebody who knows Bible better than Ananias. What is Ananias' qualification? Which, which Bible school did he study in? What, what, you know, revelation does he have? You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'll, I know somebody who can teach me scripture very well. Let me go back to Gamaliel. Let me go back to this old life, and let me learn about this. And yet God said, "No, no. I'm. I'm now going to do things differently with you, Paul." And that's why he would write in First Corinthians chapter one: what was foolish in the eyes of the world, God considered it to be wise, and God used the foolish things of the world to teach the wise. And, and the, the wisdom of the world is in fact foolish to God. It's foolishness, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stand in God's logic. And so when, when Apostle Paul is trying to reason with himself and he's trying to want to know God more, the one thing that stands in the way, that's why he wrote this particular story or his confession, he's like, these are the things that I can boast about The fact that I have learned so well, that I have been in church all my life, that I I know scripture, you know, if if there is a memory verse competition, I'm going to ace that. If there is anything in my church that I need to get a, a prize, a speaking competition, an essay competition, anything you tell me, I'm going to be number one at that. But what I'm going to do right now is return all of these things, all these fancy, even the good things. I'm going to give it up in order that I may know Christ. So in other words, my existing knowledge about Christ, my existing knowledge about God can in fact stand in the way of a new knowledge or a new revelation about God. Do you understand what I'm saying? What, what we know till now, okay, when, see the Old Testament, what, 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 Paul was a scholar of is the Old Testament, the Torah, the, the Law and the Prophets. The Law and the Prophets point people to Jesus. So what he is a scholar of is a revelation of Jesus. And yet that scholarly understanding was now standing in the way of him being able to meet this resurrected Jesus. That previous understanding... You know, what's funny is Apostle John, when he was taken to heaven, it's this Revelation chapter 1, don't go there, but I'll just tell you the story. It says he, he is now experiencing visions, this is, he's, in, he's locked up in an island of Patmos and he's experiencing visions and, and see, Apostle John, he has been with Jesus, right? He has followed Jesus from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. He was the person that was with Jesus at the cross. He has seen Jesus fully broken, fully shattered. He was the only person who saw Jesus at the cross. The only disciple, I mean to say, who saw Jesus at the cross. Further on, he was the man who ran into the empty tomb and got evidence of Jesus' resurrection. He, he, Peter and John were in a running race and he, he, he came first and he entered the empty tomb and he had proof that Jesus has risen back. And then he would write to us in detail about the resurrection of Jesus. And yet, now in Revelation chapter 1, he is in heaven. He is caught up into heaven. And now a voice is speaking to him. And he can't seem to recognize this voice. He, he was in doubt. Even while writing the scripture, he was in doubt. And he says in chapter 1, I think it's in verse 12 or something. He says, and, and then I turned to see someone who was like unto the Son of Man. He's still not sure because his previous idea about Jesus, the, the revelation, the experience that he had about Jesus when he was on the earth when Jesus healed the sick and you know multiplied the bread and you know did all these amazing things here on the earth now he's not able to make sense of how that Jesus is this Jesus he's not able to correlate that and he's like he is like unto the Son of Man there are some things that connect him to 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 the Son of Man because Jesus when he was on the earth he claimed to be the Son of Man he claimed to be what Daniel said will be the Son of Man, the Messiah who will come. So when John writes about Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, he's like, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I saw someone in heaven who is like unto the Son of Man. Can you imagine the guy? See, John the Apostle, he is uh, almost 90, around the time when he's having an encounter with God in the island of Patmos. And still he writes saying, Wait a minute, uh, uh, I'm not so sure I know Jesus enough. I'm not so sure I know this God enough. That I may need to exchange my old understanding for something new. I may need to give up what I know till now in order to be able to experience the new. So Jesus taught us this amazing principle in Luke chapter 5. He said, you cannot pour new wine into? Talk to me. Come on, young people. You cannot pour new wine into? Into old wineskins. What will happen if you put new wine into old wineskins is that the wineskins will break, will tear, will get spoiled, and the wine will be spilled, and it will all be useless. And Jesus said, if you want new wine you need to prepare a new wineskin. And that requires for us to go through this process of unlearning certain things that you have that, that has become law and principles in your life. You know, that requires for you to let go of certain things that was, man, religiously, I will do exactly like this. I will pray exactly like this. I will worship only like this. I will read the Bible only like this. Everything that we have clung to so tightly, saying, man, this is how I will pursue God. This is how God will encounter me. I need to be able to unlearn it and let go of it so that I can experience the new. You know, Paul said this in... Philippians chapter 3. This is the one thing that I know that I will do. I know that I'm not perfect yet. I know that I have not reached the goal yet. My goal is to become perfect. My goal is to reach that place where I know Jesus. I know Christ fully. But because I'm not perfect, this is the one thing that I will do on a daily basis is to forget the past and to press on towards the next for the future, towards the upward call of God that is for, available for me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So, so, church, what does it take for us to unlearn, to, to lay down our old understanding on a daily basis? What does it take? Sometimes it requires for us to die to our logic. You know the story of the Samaritan woman, right? Jesus came to her and said, hey, uh, you have no idea what I'm about to give you. I'm about to give you living water. And, and her question, her immediate question is, you don't have a bucket, you don't have a rope, you, come on, how, how are you going to do this for me? That is, this is illogical that you're saying you're going to offer me water, because for you to offer me water, you will need these, these instruments, these, these places, these, these things in place, and The next question she asked is, you know, coming from a very traditional place. She's like, and are you greater than our forefather Jacob? He's the one who dug this well. You have no idea about where this well is from. Uh, Our forefather Jacob is the one who dug this well. Now, are you claiming to be greater than our forefather, you know, Jacob? Are you claiming to be greater than all these guys who have labored, you know, worked so hard to dig this well? Are you claiming to be better than all of them? Are you claiming to be different than all of them? So, you know, if, if, if this lady, if the, she wouldn't have overcome that, you know, that problem with her, her logic, if she wouldn't overcome that attachment that she has to her Jacob, to her past, to her tradition, then she will never be able to experience this Jesus in His fullness. And Jesus, He started breaking down her defenses one thing at a time, you know, encountering, you know, just countering her logic and saying, you know, if I was in Jesus' place, I, I, would, I would try and explain to her why I don't need a bucket, why I don't need a... But Jesus didn't do any of that. If you, if you see the way that Jesus interacted with her, Jesus did, was not trying to you know, give her an explanation, a logical explanation of what and how and where and all of those things. Jesus was trying to minister to her heart. There was a burden that she was carrying in her heart which was connecting her to her failures, which was connecting her to her brokenness. And there was, a, there was a need for her to bring that burden and, and lay it at the feet of Jesus for her to be able to drink this new water that Jesus will give her. And today, I, I, my, my prayer is that it doesn't matter what background we are from, either we, we, we are from the background of this Samaritan lady who had a very bad past or we are someone like a Paul who has a very reputable past both of us have to do the same thing we need to come to the feet of the to the feet of our master and we need to be able to lay down what we already know we need to be able to give up what we already understand unless we humble ourselves like little children when you read scripture you cannot go into scripture knowing the revelation that is already there in scripture you know, one of the things that I used to do growing up was to highlight in, in, in my Bible. And then the next time you read that same verse, that highlighted portion, it just, it'll just stand out, right? And then you know, be, even before you read anything else, you straight, your attention goes straight to that highlighted portion. And you are like, yeah, I know what this means. Because I was in a youth camp. Where our pastor, he taught us about this. I, I was in a youth camp and I know the, the, the revelation from this verse. But you know, that kind of a study and an attitude towards God's word is gonna stop us from getting fresh revelations from God. Do you know that God says in his word there is new mercies available for us every morning? For us, our understanding of mercy is what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's amazing. I mean, that's the ultimate revelation of mercy. But there is a fresh mercy that God has released for us this morning. How many of us caught that? How many of us received that? I mean, we're all stuck with the revelation of mercy that is available from 2,000 years back. But there is a mercy that is available for us today. That's why Jesus taught us to pray this prayer. Give me this day. Come on, give me this day, this day, today, give me this day. He's not saying, pray in the beginning of the week, give me the food required to sustain an entire week. No, he's saying, pray every morning, saying, give me this day my daily bread. Just think with me, what would happen to our lives if we were to Encounter this risen Jesus for the next 365 days. Every day we experience something new. We receive a fresh understanding of who this Jesus is. We talk to him and we hear his heartbeat. We pray and we get a a deep encounter with his presence. We read scripture and we grow in revelation. What would happen to our lives in one year's time if we had to receive 365 different revelations about this Jesus? Guess what? This knowing Jesus, we will never reach a place where we are fully satisfied. The thing about earthly hunger is that the more we eat, the less hungry we are. But the thing about spiritual hunger is that the more we eat, the more hungry we become. The fact that that we are not as hungry spiritually is not because you're fed. It is because you're underfed. Because the more you feed on this manna, this daily manna that is coming to you, the more hungry you will become to receive more from this Jesus, to receive more from the presence of God, to receive more from the Holy Spirit. We will never reach a place where there is is so much that we don't need anymore. You know, Apostle Paul, he's explaining in Philippians chapter 3 and saying, we don't receive from God based on our righteousness, we receive from God because of faith. It is only possible by faith. We cannot come into God's presence and say, 'I, I prayed for so much or I read three chapters in the Bible, or that I fasted 40 days, or that I gave so much money for the youth camp. We cannot receive an encounter from God based on our righteousness. Let me ask you this. What did Paul do so that Jesus can encounter him on the way to Damascus? What did he have to do? What did the Samaritan woman do to receive that encounter with Jesus at the well? Come on, give me some, some answers. What did they do? Nothing. They didn't do anything. They, they, they couldn't have done anything to receive an encounter from Jesus. It was purely an act of faith. We cannot receive anything from God except by faith. If we continue to walk in faith, if we continue to trust and believe that today when I open my Bible, the Lord is going to speak to me. That today when I sit down to pray, I'm going to receive direction for my day. Today when I read scripture, I- I'm going to receive a revelation from God. I'm going to see Jesus in a new way. That is why Apostle Paul says there are three things that will last forever. What are those three things? Come on church, you need to talk to me. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean I'm talking about verses that are common in every wedding. If we go to a wedding, we would hear this, three, this, this statement again and again. There are three things that last forever faith, hope, and love. Paul is, in fact, comparing these three things with other spiritual gifts. You know, there are other spiritual gifts like prophesying and speaking in tongues and the gift of moving mountains and all of that. And he, and he says, all these gifts will pass away. There will be a day when you will not need any of these things because then the perfection, the perfect would have arrived. But there are three things that you would need all through eternity. That is faith, hope and love. Faith for what? To get a new job? Like what what do you need faith for in heaven? I need a bigger house or I need a healing what do we need faith for in heaven? We need faith to know Jesus. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to know Him. Without faith, it is impossible to go deeper in our relationship with God. And that is why Paul says, we will need this faith all through eternity. Which means billions of years later, you will still need to know Jesus even more. That Jesus is so vast and so glorious and and so beautiful that these angels that have been singing holy, 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 they have been trying to discover this God for all eternity and they have still not been satisfied. And that will be our state, that we will know this Jesus for all of eternity. You know, one of the pictures of heaven is... The 24 elders, have you you read about that story in Revelation or does the the book of Revelation freak you out? I mean, some of us, you know, like I, I used to read the book of Revelation, you know, just to be scared, just to have some fear of God put into my heart, you know, when those moments come, right, when I'm taking God very light. I'll read the book of Revelation just to let the fear of God come into my heart. But, but, you know, the book of Revelation can give us such a beautiful picture of heaven. And one of the pictures of heaven that we get is that every time there is worship in heaven, there are these thrones. And on these thrones are these, uh, you know, the Bible calls them elders. And these, these elders, they have a white robe and they have a crown on their head. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, you will understand the significance of this white robe and the significance of this crown. The significance is that these guys, they have lived well here on the earth all through their life. They, they kept themselves pure and, and the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 that if you overcome then you will be given the white robe, the new garment of, of when you reach heaven and then it also talks about the crown of life that you will receive if you overcome. So these guys, they have overcome. These guys, they have done their best. They have like lived their life full well. Can you imagine there are billions of souls and saints in heaven and these are the top 24 of them. The best of them, right? Come on. Yeah? You understand what I'm saying? If they get to sit on the thrones... They, they must have done something unusual, something different to be able to qualify to sit on these 24 thrones. And yet, the Bible says, all this, all through their life, their faithfulness, their hard work, the, the way that they served God, now this faithfulness earned them a crown. And what would they do when they are worshipping God in heaven is that they would lay down their crowns. See, this is the crown which is a symbol of their hard work for God here on the earth. You know, probably they preached a lot of, to a lot of people, saved a lot of people, you know, raised a lot of you know, orphans or however they served God here on the earth. Whatever, whatever big things they had to claim about what they did for Jesus. Now, in heaven, when you see their crowns, you see that, These guys, they have really worked hard for God. And now the Bible says, whenever there is worship in heaven, you know what these guys would do? They will take off their crowns. The crowns that represent their faithfulness here on the earth. The crowns that represent good things, not bad things, not not sinful things. These crowns, it represents the good things that they have done. And they will lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, you are worthy. You are faithful you're the best, you're the most glorious, you're the one who is able to receive all worship and even the, even the titles that you have given us, even the you know, the, the privileges, the, the blessings that you've given us, we now return that back to you in our expression of worship in our desire to want to know Christ and that's what Apostle Paul says. I'm gonna count all of this as garbage. I'm gonna want to exchange all of it to be able to know Christ a little more, to know this Jesus a little more. Today, if you're here and you're wondering, what does that mean practically? You know, what does that, how, how do I, how do I really experience this? How do I really, you know, you're talking about this amazing thing, but what does it mean for me to know Christ. It means just one thing. It is for us to surrender. Surrender is not like a, a business transaction. You cannot, you know, negotiate your surrender. Surrender has to be unconditional. Surrender cannot be like, like dear pastor said. You cannot just surrender one area of your life. My my money, I want to surrender because I don't have enough money. But everything else, I'll keep for myself. Surrender cannot be just one thing. When you surrender, it has to be a hundred percent. You're just saying, here I am. I, I know that I cannot do a day without you. And I, and I give everything that I know about you, every, all the Bible verses I've memorized, everything that I have as revelation from my past, I'm, I'm going to lay down at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Jesus, so that, so that I I can know him a little better. I can know you in the next level. One of the reasons we, we don't experience God is because we are just so attached, so, you know, possessive of what God has given us today, what God has already blessed us with. You know, for Abraham, it was a moment of big surrender when he had to lay down his Isaac on the altar. Man, I mean... Abraham could have reasoned with God. God, you gave me this son; it was your blessing. It is not like the devil gave. You gave me this job. You gave me this, you know, promotion or whatever. It is you. I know it came from you. And now you're asking me to bring it back and lay it on the altar. That doesn't make sense, God. And yet, when he was willing to surrender, he had a revelation that this is Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> The revelation of Jehovah Jireh did not come to him till he surrendered, till he was willing. And see, before surrender, this may look like the worst thing to do. Because, you know, you're, you're giving, you're actually giving up the right of your life into the hands of someone else. You're saying, God, it's no longer I, it's all you. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give myself into, I'm, I'm just going to throw myself at your mercy. You take my life and you do whatever you want to do. You ask me to go become a missionary in in Uttar Pradesh, I'm going to just do that. You ask me to go invest into stock market, I'm just going to do that. You ask me to leave everything and just you know go and be a missionary in Nineveh to preach the gospel to people that are going to kill me if I preach this to them, I'm just going to do that. Here I am, whatever you say, I am willing to obey, I'm willing to yield my life to that. That is what surrender means. When we reach a place where God sees that we are willing to surrender, that we are willing to give up, that we are willing to lay down everything. That just like the woman at the well, she had to give up her past, her five husbands and the Present guy that she was living with who was not even her husband. She had to give up her full understanding of relationships and and on this side this Paul who has this amazing qualification and amazing righteousness and all the good things that he has done and They, they, they have to give this up and say I, I, I surrender I give it all in exchange I, I want to know this Jesus a little better So I want you to check your heart and I want you to check your life to see what are those areas where that I have not yet surrendered? What are those things that I have not yet laid at the altar? What are those things where God can do a new thing today? What are those areas where I I need to release the control of those areas of my life and let the Lord have it. Let the Lord do it his way. What are those areas? If, if we can, you know, just master the art of righteousness, sorry, if we can master the art of surrender, daily surrender, if we can master the art of daily giving ourselves up before Jesus, daily, daily, daily surrender, then we will be able to experience the encounters, the blessings, the, the revelations, the knowledge about Jesus that is not written in books, the knowledge about Jesus that is not available in sermons, the knowledge about Jesus that is not available in, in social media, you will receive when you live a life of daily, perpetual surrender, perpetual surrender, constant surrender, where Paul said, I, I die daily, I have to be crucified." to the cross, so that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. You know, that, that means living like a zombie, where you're actually dead. Your, your, you know, your desires, dead. Your dreams, dead. Your plans, your ambitions, dead. But when you live a life like this, it is impossible for you to live a life like this and not receive sight. Like we read the story of Apostle Paul, one of the first things God did was give him back the sight that he lost. God did take away his sight but then God gave it back to him so that now he can look at the world with different eyes. When Abraham surrendered his Isaac what God gave him back was not just Isaac but God said now I'm, I'm making you a father of nations. Uh, now I'm going to elevate you my covenant with you is established see when we surrender we think that this is the end of the world but what we don't know is that by that surrender from that point of surrender will be birth things will be birth you know everything that will change how your life will look like for the for the rest of your journey with god you know just just giving you a little glimpse of who i am i started doing Ministry when I was in my ninth standard, between ninth and tenth standards. So I should be some 14 year old, you know. And I I usually say this I I got cheated into doing ministry. I didn't know I was being uh, scapegoated, but there was this this amazing elder brother in our church who used to go to this small village to uh, preach, and he would also teach little kids. And he asked me, Priji, would you join me? And after I joined him, and I would go every week, after a few m- months, he said, I- I- I'm-, I'm leaving. I'm going to the US, so can you run this mission after this? I- I'm like a 14-year-old kid, and I'd, I don't know, I mean, of course, I, don't, I can't drive, I can't ride, and this is like uh, at least 10, 15 kilometers away from my home in Ambranad, And uh, And as a 14-year-old kid, I said, OK, if that's, that's what it means to serve Jesus, I'm willing to do this. And I I would cycle for 45 minutes every Tuesdays and Fridays after school uh, to, to go there and and come back. And while coming back, you know, there's the MIDC pipeline area and, you know, there's no no light, no street lights. So, you know, I set, uh, you know, this dynamo, I don't know how many of you have heard of this dynamo that you can connect to your cycle. I know you guys have all... Uh, in a different generation. But this is what we used to do to you know, ride our cycles in the night. And I, I put that on my cycle and every, every week, twice a week, we'd go and do ministry there. From there, we started doing ministry with ICPF and then from there, uh, you know, the, the ministry just continued to grow to a point where one, one, one season of my life, I was preaching five times in a week. Uh, in the morning, my, this is my schedule on Sundays. I'll, my first service on a Sunday morning was a church in Bandra. And then the second service will be in, uh, you know, close to Kalina. There was a church in Kalina. The third service will be in Nerul on Sunday evening. And then during the week, on Wednesdays and on Saturdays, there was this I C P F gatherings that I would be. So, so almost five times in a week, I'll be preaching and I'll be ministering and I'll be. You know, talking about Jesus. And I I reached a point where I was doing all these things, but I was exhausted. I was being burnt out. You know, the only time I would read my Bible was when I had to preach. The only time I would read my Bible is when I had to get a new revelation so that, you know, I can impress the people that are coming to listen to me. And then I, I, I reached this point where I was exhausted, and I said, you know, this, and I, I started failing. There were so many other areas of my life where I started experiencing uh, burnout, emotional burnout, physical burnout, spiritual burnout, where I, I was doing things that I never thought I had the you know, capacity to do because I, I was a teacher of the word. And on the other side, I was doing things that I was very much ashamed of. And that was the point where I, I said, enough is enough. I need to... I just get away from all of this. So I quit my role in the organization that I was in. I quit my role in those churches. And I said, I'm just going to lock myself up. And I want to, in this season, unlearn everything. You know, there was that eight or nine month period. By the way, at the end of that period is when I met Suzanne and, and Sasha. And, you know, our, uh, the next season of our ministry began. But this eight or nine months of my... Life, I mean, I just did, did, I was very hard on myself. I, I said, I'm not going to go for any conferences. Like, if you know anything about Priji, he will be there in every meeting in Mumbai. If Joyce Smir comes, he, I'll be, uh, Delirious comes, I'll be there. You name any conferences, any concerts, any meetings, I will always be there in that meeting. But for nine months, I had to just unlearn and undo and just bring everything, even the good things that I have learned at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Jesus, and say, Lord, take this. This is, this is who I am. This is what I have done. But now I, I cannot go another day without a personal relationship with you. So I was a preacher of the word. I, it's not like I, I never had a personal relationship. I had a personal relationship, but I, it was a very, you know, relationship, you know, like how the prodigal son went to the father only when he wanted money, only when he wanted the inheritance, that kind of a relationship, that I would go to God when I need something from him, I would go to God when I need a, a new sermon or a new revelation or something, uh, a healing or a breakthrough and from there I had to change my life and, and I had to surrender and I had to say, God, take over my life from here on and Trust me, life after that has not been easy because now there is this uncertainty. What will happen tomorrow? What will happen next? You know, Pastor Franny, she emailed me a couple of days back saying, do you, will you be able to send me the notes of what you're sharing? And I, I couldn't do that. And, you know, and one of the things that I was thinking is, you know, today my, my life is so flexible that before coming in to preach, I asked the Lord, do you want to change my sermon? Do you want to do something else today? Do you want to give me something that I have, I have not preached till today? Can I, I'm I'm willing to change? This is what what I have prepared. This is where I have worked hard, but I'm willing to give that up. I'm willing to change that. I'm willing to surrender what I have prepared so that I can know you a little different, a little uh, in, a, in a in a completely different perspective. So if we can live our days, our our choices, our decisions like that, where we you're like. I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to press on towards the future. Forget the past and press on towards the future. I'm going to unlearn myself. Like a little child, I will humble myself before Jesus. Like like a little child, I will come before him and I'll say, Lord, I'm not going to claim ownership to what I know, but I'm going to ask you for more of you. Amen? Can I pray with you guys? I want us to pray this together and I want us to m- let this become our cry, our desire. Lord, everything that I have till today, all the, all the amazing things that I have done, um, the, the, the accomplishments, my spiritual accomplishments, my giftings, my talents, my abilities, or it may be the, the, the past that I'm not so proud about. It may be the past that my friends at church don't know about. It may be the past that Sometimes a prophet like Jesus, only Jesus knows. But I'm willing to bring it all to you and I'm willing to surrender. Because I know I I, I can't take a day without you, Lord. I can't take another day. I can't live another day without your presence. Lord, I I just humble myself. I just yield myself to, to, to your work. I just ask you to to take my heart and to change me from the inside out. Do a new work in me, Lord. Do a new work in me. Here I am. I'm I'm the old wineskin. But I'm willing to break the old wineskin so that you can put the new wineskin in me. So you can put I'm I'm willing to become the new wineskin so that you can add, you can bring the new wine into this wineskin Daddy I pray with your dear children I pray over their hearts and I pray over their minds I pray over those emotions those, those desires and those dreams that they are wrestling with Lord together as a community our desire is that we will lose this wrestling match that you will win, that you will have your way. Everything that we have held back for ourselves, we will be able to give it back to you and receive you in exchange of those old things, those good things and those bad things. That we will receive you in exchange of those past lives. Lord, right now, as I pray over your children, I pray that you would give them fresh encounters fresh revelations just like Paul saw visions let visions become numerous, become plenty in this place let your heart for your children let your desire for your children become so real, so relevant to God that you, you will just release yourself make yourself known to your children Lord, transform their lives Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, come and meet with your children. Lord Jesus, have your way. Change our hearts, Lord. Do a new work inside of us. Birth something deep. Birth something real inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said an Amen.